G'day, lads. Welcome to the Greencast, a podcast by me, Mr. Greentex, where I usually ramble to myself like a madman in my bedroom. Uh, however, this week is not one of those episodes, as I'm joined today by fellow Australian comedian and professional shitposter, uh, Lewis Spears. Hey, welcome to me. I'm happy to be here, Mr. Green. That's what I'm going to call you, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Oh, I know his real name. That's pretty... I could do an I could do an expose on you. Maybe that's what I'll do. If this doesn't go well, I'll just tweet your name, face, address, everything. Oh, cool. But I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, it's no, thank you. It's to start every podcast with a with a veiled breath. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly on brand for my sort of shit anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I've got a bunch of questions and other, like, topics I've got written here. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, one of the first things I got here is just, like, the whole state of YouTube uh, at the moment. Mm. And, uh, have you seen a bunch of stuff with the, like, children's content getting demonetized and comments getting turned off? Yeah, I, I actually talked about this for, like, about half an hour on my recent episode of my podcast. I think that what YouTube has done, they've really painted themselves into a corner recently and i think that what youtube has done is they have just made a series for years a series of knee-jerk reactions in response to controversy that has just completely fucked the platform for youtube and the community um and what the mainstream media has done which is really smart which is what really creators should be doing and should have done is the mainstream media with all of you know all of the television production companies that make all of the tonight shows they make all of the sketch shows they make all of the movie trailers all of the movie highlights all of that kind of shit they've banded together and they've come to youtube and they've gone if you want every trailer every tonight show clip every celebrity interview every single thing that gets millions billions of views we want the best ad rates. We never want to get demonetized. We want to be put on trending. And what's YouTube going to do? Say no. And then they'll just be like, all right, we'll make our own platform. Fuck you. Right? So YouTube has given that to the companies, which, you know, I guess they had to because they banded together and we didn't. <laughs> right? And then the music companies have done the same thing. If you want Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift and fucking all country music and just all of the songs that you know all the all the record labels have gone the same thing we want trending we want automatic claiming tools we want you to protect us against people uploading songs that we don't make money off all that kind of shit and youtube has to say yes because otherwise they'll just make their own platform right but we didn't do that <laughs> we you know even if pewdiepie was to go oh i'm going to stop uploading youtube would be like okay so we'll lose a couple million dollars a year no worries that's chump change right we didn't do that so we have no power to negotiate so whenever the media cracks the shits and goes oh look at these look at this platform look at what they're doing youtube makes a knee-jerk reaction and then it just hurts the community because we have no power because we don't organize essentially yeah. so i think what's happened is is the first controversy the big one you know pewdiepie saying the n-word <laughs> on the bridge yeah. um that went nuts and then that made the media have a go at youtube and then youtube panicked because their advertisers pulled out and instead of youtube going well i guess we'll wait till they come back because they will come back because internet ads are better than tv ads right yeah which is probably what they should have done uh they instead panicked and they brought in like demonetization rules and they demonetize everyone and they restricted content that was pretty much any kind of content that wasn't made for a child 
just got demonetized, but not only that, it also got restricted in reach. Yeah. Right. But then uh, <laughs> child content started getting promoted. So what happened? Everyone saw the fucking money and they all started making content for children. But it wasn't for children. It was for the algorithm. Yeah. So they were just doing whatever the algorithm wanted them to do and would make money. So all of a sudden you get all of these new millionaires that are making content for children. They got no experience. They don't know what they're doing. They're not making content for children. They're and making Spider-Man content Elsa for Age. cash. Yeah, right? So you get all this sexual, weirdly, like, not child-friendly <laughs> content that's just fucking weird. And then and then all, all of the pedophiles start coming in and start timestamping <laughs> content for children. Yeah. Because people work out the best content for children is content made by children. So all of a sudden you have adults filming kids and then adults watching it and sexualizing kids and then kids watching this and having their brains turn to mush <laughs> because it's fucked, right? Yeah. And then, of course, what happens uh, against, you know, the will of the community, everyone fucking warned YouTube about this, the, the community, like Pay Money Wubby, put out that huge video going, look at all these people uh, that are sexualizing this girl doing ASMR, and then a few other people made videos warning YouTube, hey, this child safe content isn't child safe, it's harming <laughs> children, it's yeah. not good for them to watch, it's gonna fucking hurt you. YouTube ignores the community as they always do <laughs> until the fucking media catches on about six months later when the problem is six months worse. And now they've YouTube has had to fucking freak out and backpedal because the mainstream media is covering it, making YouTube look like a haven for pedophiles, right? So now YouTube has not only demonetized content that is for teens and adults, right? They've also now destroyed the entire uh, child content part of their business, which was huge. So now there's no content for kids that can go well on YouTube and there's no content for any other human being that can go well on YouTube. And all we're left with is Tonight Show re-uploads <laughs> and fucking music film clips. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, people go, oh... I'm not making any money out of my videos. And you know what that means? Neither is YouTube. Because in the agreement, they take half of your ad revenue before you even see it. Yeah. So if I make $1, I actually made $2, but me and YouTube split that. Yeah, yeah. So if I get demonetized, YouTube makes no money either. So YouTube has shot themselves in the foot where they fucked over all of their regular, true like content creators. And now they fucked over the kids. And now... What are they going to do? <laughs> what else is there to, to make money on YouTube other than TV re-uploads and music? Yeah. And the fucking media wins and they're totally happy and the average creator and the community gets fucked. Yeah. So I think that YouTube really just needs to have a bit of backbone, I think is the issue. Mm. Because if all they did was, all right, if you don't want to advertise on YouTube, that's fine. You'll come back. And they would have. Yeah, but they didn't. They freaked out, and they've been freaking out for the last five to seven years, and it's just making the problem worse and worse and worse. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think they are starting to listen. Yeah, because I think well, the children's one especially weird one because yeah, the biggest reason recently why they actually demonetized all the children's content, turned off comments, and everything like that was actually because they got fined because they broke U.S. law by advertising to children. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 another thing. Like they they fucking push their child content, yeah. and then everyone was like, "Hang on, this is illegal." Yeah, they're playing chicken for so fucking long until yeah. it finally caught up to them. Yeah, whereas that 
never would have happened if they just stuck to what they were <laughs> fucking doing in 2012. Yeah. That's it. 2012 plus mid-roll ads. That's all they had to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all they had to do and it, yeah. would, and it would work. Yeah. But I, I think that I think that YouTube is starting to realize that they need to listen to the community because they they realistically the only difference, right? The only reason YouTube is YouTube, the only difference between YouTube and Vivo right is us right the people who watch stuff and the people who make original content if we didn't use the website and if we keep getting fucked and people start leaving because it's no good and no one sees videos they want to watch it's just vivo and fucking tonight show re-uploads yeah and then all of a sudden if that's the main reason why people are going to youtube all of these tv companies are going to go hang on why the fuck are we putting this shit on YouTube if that's the only reason people are going to YouTube? Let's build our own shit. Yeah. And they will, and then that'll be it. So I think that, that YouTube is starting to get a little bit of backbone and listening to the community, especially after like the rewind thing being the most disliked <laughs> video ever. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah. You know, that's that would have been a big shock to them. That would have been like, oh, fuck, we really are not listening. Um, and I noticed like when they... They just announced a couple of days ago. They they unverified everyone essentially, took away everybody's check marks, um, and then the community lost their shit as they always do when they make a bad decision. And I, you know, I tweet about it, and then I was like, yeah, but nothing's gonna happen. But today, they just were like, hey, we heard you, and we're gonna fix it. Yeah. When's the last time that's happened? <laughs> like I, I, that hasn't happened for fucking ages i think that's really good yeah i think that's a really really good it's a small step but i think it's a really good step in the pos- in the right direction because if they lose the community that's it yeah and i think they've worked that out now i think the reason why there was such a stir for the verification was because like everyone over 100k that had a verification was essentially putting out a tweet for it and there yeah. was almost such like biggest storm like compared to anything else like that the media could even like yeah. like bring up especially with like the mainstream and that sort of stuff yeah for sure i mean that 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 was really the community yeah and they listened which is good i think that is good yeah whether or not they fix it in the right way <laughs> because companies have this fucking this tactic which really works of they change something and everyone goes hey that sucks stop that and then they go, all right, all right, we're not going to do it. And then they just wait two months and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And then people, people just stop caring because we have the attention span of toddlers online. Yeah. So hopefully they're not doing that. I do think they are. They are. I think that ever since Rewind, I've started to notice a, a change with YouTube of them at least pretending to yeah, care. Yeah, attempting which to, is yeah. Better, <laughs> which is better than, than what they were doing before, which, which was not even pretending to care. Yeah. <laughs> So I, we'll see where it goes, but I think I think that ultimately, as as many as as bad as YouTube can be, and as as they don't get things right all the time, it's still by far the best platform for a creator. Yeah. Because um, you know, Facebook's whatever, Instagram, well, yeah, YouTube is is definitely where it's at. Yeah. And I've you know I've had a long career, and I've been I've been. I've prioritized Facebook. I've prioritized Instagram. I've done this and that. I've done like every platform there is out there, and YouTube is the one that I that I think will still be be around for a very long time, and has been for that my entire career. Yeah. Whereas other platforms have come and go. 
It is almost scary to a degree because it's almost to the point where it's almost like too big to fail at this point, I think. Well, that's that's the thing when people go, oh, someone needs to start a competitor. No, that it's impossible. Yeah. Like, it's, it's actually impossible. Unless maybe Amazon started a competitor, maybe. Like, it would have to be a global mega corporation to compete with YouTube. Yeah. Because it's too expensive. Like, the, it's it, people have tried it. There was VidMe. There was about three others that have come and, and died. BitChute, come gone. <laughs> yeah, they, they all die because, fuck, hosting video is expensive. Like, we don't even know. In fact, we're pretty sure that YouTube makes no money off YouTube. I think right? they just hit their first profit margin, like, ever really? this past, like, quarter or something like that. I think I read that oh, somewhere. Okay. Don't yeah. quote me on that, but And I how think... long has it been around? Like, decades? <laughs> Literally decades, yeah. yeah. So, um, if, um, if you have uh, $10 billion and you're happy to lose that for 10 years, <laughs> yeah, you start a competitor. Give it a go. Yeah. See how it goes for you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, un- until until some insane multi-billionaire comes along and creates something better, YouTube is where it's at. And I don't <laughs> think that's going to change. Because essentially, I just think it's YouTube is just good advertising for Google's other services. Yeah. But ironically, I think the biggest competitor to YouTube right now is probably actually Twitch rather than anything else. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Twitch is interesting. I think... Um, which I, is Amazon, which is another global corporation. That but, is true. But yeah. it's run so... I don't know if poorly is the right word, but especially a lot of the staff on there, just because they're all quite young, surprisingly. They're all mid to like maybe late 20s. So there were a yeah. lot of the, like the mods because they just got bought out by Amazon and just didn't change the staff at all. I think that's great. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It's good and bad, but there's a lot of like questionable bans and a lot of picking and choosing uh, yeah. between like who gets more views and promoted on Twitch especially. Well, I think I understand... I don't know too much about Twitch because that's the one of the ones that I've never tried on because I was like, I, don't, I just don't want to do another thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Twitch is interesting. When I see that stuff, I when 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 they're not like standard and when and when there's questionable bans and things like that, that to me is because at least right the bright side of it, you can tell that it's run by humans. <laughs> yeah? yeah, yeah, I'll give like, you that. YouTube yeah, true. Is, seems to be 100% automated. You yeah. can't talk to anyone. I've got like 370,000 subscribers. I talk to a human once and he's my partner manager and I don't know where he's gone, <laughs> right? I don't think I'm allowed to talk to him anymore. That, yeah. That's it. I talked to him once and uh, that was it, right? So I think that with Twitch, it's like, yeah, they seem to make some questionable decisions and they, they seem to make mistakes, but you know what? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Because it's run by humans instead of soulless robots. Yeah. Right. That that where you can't talk to anyone. I think I think that's what Twitch seems to do really well is that it seems like every creator that's that's quite popular or even a little bit popular seems to be talking to someone, which I think is is very important for a creator because yeah. you just need someone to be like, hey, because sometimes I I remember for six months all of my shit would get no views. And I didn't realize it was because I had a stupid word in my automatic tags that I put <laughs> in as a joke. Yeah, yeah. And I just left there and forgot about it. And, you know, if I had a partner manager, they could be like, hey, man, take that out. You'll get double the views. I would go, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I think that's, but, but then again, YouTube is too big to have a person for everyone. Mm. So, 
Um, guys, what I'm really trying to say here is that I have a lot of complaints and zero <laughs> solutions. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm really here for, to complain. and be like, Oh, fix this. How? I don't know. Fix it. <laughs> that's what I'm really saying. Yeah. Tags is an interesting one, though, especially on YouTube. Like, mm. I find that there's just sometimes random phrases and words that just get you demonetized. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the hilarious ones that I found was especially, it was around a couple months after the Logan Paul suicide forest incident. Mm. And I had a video literally called The Forest, which was just like a story of like some yeah. kid going into a forest. And that was getting me demonetized. And I changed it to something, oh, what the fuck was it? Uh, something like in the trees yeah. and that got it remonetized within seconds of changing the title yeah and it's just okay i guess because that one guy's mm-hmm. fucked up now i guess we just can't use that word in the title anymore yeah and that's that's the kind of shit where you know like that logan paul shit because youtube is run by machines that would have fucked the ad revenue for every single nature YouTuber for years, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. Be like, oh, fuck, I can't vlog in a forest anymore even though I'm teaching people about sustainable wildlife practices. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. YouTube YouTube has its, has its issues. Um, but, you know, I love it. It is, yeah. it is good. It is great. Um, I'll talk to you about stand-up for a bit now because... Yeah. Hilariously, you're probably the first person that I've ever seen actually do stand up uh, live before, oh, and you're really? the person that's probably got me into enjoying stand up. Yeah, and around you came that to my scene. Brisbane show last night, yeah. Yeah, I came to your Brisbane cool. show last night, and I came to your second Brisbane show. I wasn't at the first one because I was underage at the time and I was yeah. still still in school. Ironically, man, you you no one came to my first Brisbane show. My yeah. very first Brisbane show, I did it in a 370 seat theater, and I sold 17 tickets. <laughs> Um, uh, but it was a really good show. But now, now I'm, you know, this is my fifth tour, and uh, I'm doing 450 seat theater twice, and we're filling it, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, what, what do you think of the show? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, you definitely like, especially I was listening to Bert Kreischer's podcast, mm-hmm. and the thing that I enjoy Rastan the most, and I think you even talked about it. It's one of those things where the longer you go, the better you become. Yeah. Especially. Um, but even the thing that I probably enjoy most about storytelling, uh, about stand-up, is the fact that it's just a form of storytelling and it's just mm-hmm. telling a good story. And even, like, recently, I've just started just, like, doing things and like, ah, that'd make a funny story and just yeah. doing stuff that I wouldn't rather do, uh, yeah. really do, usually. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big philosophy in my life because I think I think I've worked out that a lot. Yeah, a lot of my my jokes are just me telling stories of of things that actually happened to me, and then and then also probably just mixing in a lot of me getting angry about <laughs> shit as well. Right? <laughs> it's just going and doing things and yelling about them afterwards. Right? It seems to be what what I'm talking about a lot. And uh, yeah, that's that's all it is. Like sometimes I'll just do things that I know that I might not like or things that I would never normally do and be like, ah, I might get a bit out of it, you know? So, which, which ironically has, is, is I've like stumbled across a really positive philosophy (laughs) in life where I'm like, even if this horrible thing happens, at least I'll get something out of it creatively. So that's fine. Yeah. You know, so it's, so it's, it's good. uh, But also when bad things happen in the back of my head, I can't turn it off. Right, so if I go to a funeral, I'm still thinking. <laughs> I wonder if something funny will happen. 
and it doesn't. Yeah. Most of the time it doesn't because it's a funeral. Yeah. But I still have that machine in my head just looking for jokes when in places where it's when it's not appropriate. I'll have like a hectic fight with my girlfriend and then eight months later I'll be like, hey, so you remember that fight where I really fucked up and it was bad and we had a big blow up? I was thinking of... Um, talking about it for 10 minutes on stage for strangers what do you reckon and she's like it's personal i'll be like yeah but you know what you signed up for <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck um but yeah there was <laughs> literally last week i had one of those times where i'm like oh this could be a funny story i sat in the sauna at my gym for 40 minutes because there was a guy probably about 50 that started talking about black magic chemtrails. Yeah. and oh, then you can't leave. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't leave. I've been leave. there all day. Yeah, and then someone else walked in and started talking about how he was a born-again Christian after he uh, almost killed himself. Right, so and you I'm kind like, of walked into a Joe Rogan podcast yeah, in a and sauna. I, yeah, and I'm like, oh, cool, so I just can't fucking leave now. Yeah. <laughs> now. And, oh, fuck, dude, he was... Basically, he just was basically the Australian Alex Jones, this fucking guy. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fucking gold. Everything <laughs> he was spitting out. He kept going on about like, oh, I've been, I've been looking in the fucking, looking at the sky for twenty years, mate, and fucking past couple of years they've stopped spraying shit. Don't know what they're fucking doing, but they're fucking doing something, mate. I'm <laughs> just so he's trying to compose myself. Chemicals in his brain. Yeah, like, they've oh, stopped. Stop. Give me back my chem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it just, oh, oh, fucking, I don't even know where to, like, begin with it. Because, yeah, it was just, everything he was saying was gold. And you then... you about starting stand-up? I'd like to give it a go at some point. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of just getting over that first time, especially, and just being okay with bombing, especially. Yeah, that's, really, that's, that's all that it is, is that you just have to go in knowing that probably for the first, definitely the first year, probably also the first... Second, so your second year, you're just gonna be shit. Yeah, you're just you're just not gonna be good. You you might do well sometimes or for a portion of your set, but then for most of it, you'll suck. It's just like that. It's it's like you can practice piano at home and no one has to listen to it, and you can still improve because you know what sounds good and what sounds bad. Yeah, you can't do that with comedy. You have to do it in front of an audience. So you have to practice while you're shit in front of a crowd who's expecting you to be good and is disappointed when you're not. Yeah. It's just the brutality of, of, of stand-up. It's like one of the only skills where you can't get good at home. Um, so yeah, you just have to push past that first year or two where you're not very good. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then you're on your way. Because, you know, if you can put up with a year of bombing, fuck, I tell you what, you can kind of do anything. It gives you a lot of resilience in yeah. life. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I was shit for a year doing stand-up. I can stay on hold with the bank for 20 minutes, you yeah. know, without yelling. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm okay, especially with, like, uh, bombing and that sort of stuff. With YouTube especially, it's helped with a lot of that sort of stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, no one I'm... will be as mean as a YouTube comment, <laughs> right? You never get yeah. that in real life. You're no. like, this fucking sucks. Delete your channel and kill yeah. yourself. I've never had that after a show. Yeah. I've never had, you know... People convincing me to try and neck myself after I tell a joke that didn't go well. Yeah. On YouTube, you'll get that. <laughs> Not so much in real life. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm 21, and my voice is, like, probably a little bit higher than most, like, guys my sort of age at this point. And, like, half the time, that's, like, a quarter of the comment section, you're just like, oh, I thought you were actually 12. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. But I've kind of come to terms at this point. I'm just like, I'm fucked. This is the voice that I have at this uh, point. 
You're 12. I'm, I've got the height of a basketball player. Everyone's got some. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but probably the thing that I appreciate most, especially about the Australian stand-up scene compared to, like, the American stand-up scene, is how much, like, you, Luke, uh, Frenchie, everyone, Neil, uh, kind of just understands social media and how to use that as, like, a tool yeah. to interact with your fan bases as well. Yeah, well, I think... Um I think Australia is really unique in that sense. In the, I think it came about out of necessity. So I think that in America, um, for the longest time, you didn't need social media because there's so much opportunity there. And like yeah. when I went to New York, I was like, oh, you can you can become a millionaire comedian without being famous. That's totally possible. There's just so many gigs. There's so many television. Uh, shows there's so many networks like there's literally hundreds of television channels and they all have what 20 primetime shows that they need to film yeah every season so there's like hundreds of tv shows each with hundreds of opportunities each with millions of dollars you can become a millionaire comedian without being famous in america totally possible mm. you can't do that in australia right you you can't you can barely become a millionaire comedian even if you are famous here right because <laughs> there's yeah. fucking five tv channels and only three of them have uh any money and only one of them will actually do comedy right so it's very hard to to make a good living and it's very hard to get a, a fan base if if you're just uh going the traditional media route in australia but so i think that's where it came from is that you know people people often look at comedians from la like the the joe rogans and and the burt crashes who are in the podcast circuit now especially now that it's really huge yeah yeah but i think that that australia was was really doing that too um in terms of stand-up people properly understanding uh the online thing beyond podcasting because the comedians in america now are doing instagram and they're starting to do youtube <laughs> in australia we've been on that for maybe six years now in terms of we've been late to podcasting but for everything else facebook youtube social media i feel like like we were kind of the first to really properly do both, um, and it's a very, it's a, it's a, also a very unique culture in in the other sense of things where um, almost every single person who's big online in Australia is a stand-up comedian, like a real one, not just an online guy doing shows. Yeah, it's like a stand-up comedian. Whereas in America, probably because there's so much money in brand deals there, no one really does live shows unless they're they were a comedian first and then they started doing online stuff. Yeah. It's 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 a very interesting uh, online creator culture we have in Australia where most of us who are big are stand-up comics. Early on, did you find that you were almost like tossed aside because you had that online following uh, doing not, stand-up? Not by, not by people, not by like regular humans, definitely by the industry for sure. Yeah. Um, because in Australia, like when I was saying this, there's so little opportunity in the mainstream media that it's very, it's very controlled and regimented by the higher ups and the people who choose you. So before the internet, in Australia, um, and especially with, with comedy festivals and, and radio and TV, you could literally create a famous person. 
you could be like, I like this guy, I'm going to make him famous. I'm yeah. going to get him to do the gala, and then I'm going to get him on radio, and then I'm going to get him on TV, and now he's a famous comedian because I made that fucking happen, right? That's that's literally just a couple of people picking one person, and now they're famous. Yeah. So there, there, there was, and previously, and it's kind of stopping now, which is sad, a bit of a roadmap for a comedian in Australia where you do raw comedy, and then you do... Uh, fresh faces and then you you might you do a lot of different stuff with the Melbourne Comedy Festival you do a couple shows you uh, might get on the gala and then you'll get maybe a radio show or maybe a TV show and now you're famous right yeah there was definitely a roadmap there's a few other steps there but I'm simplifying it there's definitely a roadmap and you do this and you do that and you do that and it's really controlled by a select few people right yeah so everyone is is lining up trying to become the next person that gets picked. But then, all of a sudden, the internet comes around and fucking, I do videos for a year and then in my first year of stand-up, I'm doing a tour and selling out, right? And all of these other comics who haven't put anything into the into the internet because for some reason they look down upon it, they look at me and all of the other online guys who are selling out shows and who have audiences and fan bases that weren't given to us, that were yeah. earned, right? And they go, hey, you're skipping the queue. <laughs> you pushed in. I've been waiting for years and yeah. I'm halfway there and you've pushed in. And then we look at them and go, there's no queue, man. What are you doing? There's no queue. Just do shit and let people see it. And if they like you, they'll come. So I think that the, the industry pushback, I understand where it comes from it doesn't make sense but i understand where it comes from in the sense that a lot of people before the internet got halfway into this you know traditional route of success and then we blew past them and they're still waiting for their yeah. turn and their turn doesn't come until someone you know a big comedian gets too old and decides to retire and everybody moves up one step yeah meanwhile we're doing shit and attracting audiences and doing shows and and having genuine fans who like us because of, of of what we do and the people that we are rather than, oh, I saw you on TV the other day and you, yeah. you said a bloody zinger about the news. <laughs> so I understand where it comes from. It doesn't make sense, but there has been a lot of industry pushback. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, because... My 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 focus is America. That's where I really want to go. I want to I want to, you know, do comedy clubs every night. In Australia, we got in Melbourne, we got one club. Mm. I went to New York. There's twenty. Jesus. <laughs> like I ran around with a comedian, Andrew Schultz, in yeah. New York, and uh, on a on a Thursday night, he did four comedy clubs in two hours, four fifteen minute sets in front of a sold out crowd. They're not even his shows. They're just the comedy clubs with six comedians on that night. Yeah, right. So we he, we go to one club, he does 15, he kills. We get in a cab, we go to another one, he kills. Then we go back to the same club, it's their next show, he kills to a brand new audience. <laughs> then he goes back to a different club. So four, four different audiences, 15 minutes each. That's like, what, uh, an hour? For me, in, in terms of like performing for comedy crowds, that's like three months worth of gigs in a night. Fuck. Paid every night. Jesus. That's why they're so good. Yeah. Because they just have that stage time. So that's that's where I... That, seeing that made me go, oh, if I truly want to be one of the greats, I've got to be there. So that's that's the goal for me. 
I think um, that might be just a testament to like Australian communities as a whole. Then, if like they don't have nearly as much opportunity to even like try and oh yeah, uh, have those many opportunities for spots yeah, uh, comparatively like, uh, to like that's, America. That's what I was thinking as well. Like when I was um, when I was uh, watching a lot of these comedians from New York, I was watching these people and I was like, you have this much stage time like there were some people that were amazing and that like the best people I've ever seen people you've never heard of people like you see them and you go how the fuck isn't this person you know like Dave Chappelle level they're incredible <laughs> yeah but there were some other people that were older than me and I was watching them and I was like I think I'm on your level <laughs> and I shouldn't be yeah right because if you have that much stage time how can you not be the greatest yeah you know, so I think that that yeah, you're you're right in the sense that Australian comedians, I think, to get really good, have to work way harder because there's less opportunities to get in front of like really good crowds. So so when we're on stage, we're fucking working. Like every set I do, I'm like, I need to get off stage a little bit better because if I don't. You know, I've only got a few more of these left yeah, before yeah. I do my next tour, so I'm really using it and working. And I guess you would see a lot of people who might have grown up in New York where there's just comedy spots galore, and you see them on stage, and you're like, yeah, you're doing comedy, but you're not trying to get better. So I feel like if if, if I was to take the work ethic that I have to, to a place where that just has that many gigs, I think you would just get so much better. Yeah. I think it might even just be literally something like they're just take it for granted and they just get too comfortable well, having that know. many spots. You well, yeah, like, you true. can't you can't judge it. Like they don't yeah. they don't they don't know how how good they have it. It's like you know it's like us eating food and be like, <laughs> oh, I don't feel like a burger today. I guess I'll eat something else and walk five mi- minutes down the road. Meanwhile, some cunt is eating dirt. Going, oh, I'm gonna die. I'll eat yeah. anything. How can they not appreciate that? Yeah. Oh fuck. Um, I want to talk about work ethic. Uh, for yeah. a bit. Um, especially as someone, I work from home myself, mm-hmm. and I know now you used to work from home yeah. yourself. Did you find that? And how much did your productivity increase once you moved? your workspace from your bedroom to like your own warehouse or office space yeah um heaps like like a crazy amount because you know like every like every creator online i just started making shit in my bedroom and um i started doing that and and uh but i don't come from money so we got a small house it was just in with my parents place so i just got a small little house dad's a builder mum's a hairdresser right we don't have much money so whatever I'm filming on shit equipment in my bedroom just trying to make it work like everybody else uh, and then I and then I, I got this audience and I started getting to a point where the shows were getting bigger and and I was I was making like I was making almost enough money to like start renting a film space and then the perfect space came up and I couldn't afford it and then I was like fuck it I took, I gambled and I was like, I, I, I think that if I get this place, it will enable me to make more content, which means more money, more merch sales and that. So I got it, couldn't afford it. I signed the lease for like a year <laughs> and I looked at my bank account. I'm like, I can afford it for three months. <laughs> and, uh, but sure enough, it, it really worked because um, you go to work, you know, and I could film at all hours of the night I wouldn't be waking up my family. 
I could film really early in the morning if I wanted to. I could do, sometimes I would do gigs and then come to, come to the warehouse and film at like fucking 1am or, um, or anything like that. I could, and, and I could also like, you know, have all of my film spaces set up, ready to go to just yeah. step into rather than, oh, I'm doing Lou review. So I got to set up the tripod and do the shelf and set up the lighting. Oh, now I'm doing bi-monthly bull. I got to pack down that, <laughs> put up my green screen, all of that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Save so much time. And it, and it also made it so much more enjoyable. Like I just, I, I went to work, you know? So I would just, I was just in this space that has nothing, no distractions, no bullshit. It's a workplace. So I could really leave my home, my leisure space and go to work and be in work mode. Um, and that just made, is, is a big reason why my channel kind of, has kind of exploded in the last maybe 18 months, I'd say, is because I had a warehouse and then, you know, with the warehouse and my content kind of got so much better quality wise and production wise and also consistency wise yeah. that I could, I started making more money and all of a sudden I could actually afford the warehouse. And then I started making a little bit more money and I, I was like, oh, I can almost afford to hire an editor. So I did the same thing and I got an editor in to help me film stuff like once a week and and then and that started working and now you know I'm in the warehouse fucking 5 6 days a week I got an editor 5 days a week and we're just putting out more content than I ever have in my life and it's the best stuff I've ever put out because I I'm, it's just so much more efficient and and uh it's it's really good it's it's enabled me to to work more efficiently because now instead of filming everything and editing everything, all I have to do is write it and then perform it. And then I pass it on to the editor and then I can just start writing the next thing while he edits something that'll go up tonight. Yeah. I'm either filming the thing that'll go up the next day or writing something that'll go up in two days. So it's just made that content output so much faster, so much quicker, and higher quality because I enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah, that, especially enjoying making your content is probably the biggest yeah. thing on YouTube because even I got myself an editor just for one aspect of mm. making my content that I didn't enjoy, and that just made it so much easier to actually put out yeah. content especially. Like, I literally just have an editor to cut uh, my audio because, like, my channel is just literally narrating stories. Mm. So I just pass off my recording to someone and they just edit all my fuck-ups for me, which is that was the most demotivating thing for me, especially. Yeah. But I just have to sit down for a couple hours, work through like five videos or so, um, just editing out all these fuck-ups and be like, oh, but even just, again, having that workspace is the same as your leisure space. It, you know, you, you get distracted and be like, oh, I've got a Facebook message while editing this, I've got to yeah. do this. So, oh, fucking watch YouTube yeah. video, take a break for 10 minutes and you're sitting there for an hour and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, guess i'll go do this thing now and then I'll, I'll just come back to it later it's fine yeah yeah that's that well that's another thing now when i go home i go home and yeah i, I don't have to think about any of thing I can, I can like really just do fuck all without feeling like i'm slacking off because i'm not doing fuck all in my workspace you know what i mean yeah yeah so now it's 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 really allowed me to to have like to to work to put out more shit with while actually feeling like i'm working less because i can properly separate it you know and, and that's the, the thing with, with getting the editor. A lot of YouTubers are like, oh, I can't get an editor. It has to be edited by me because I have the magic touch. And it's like, no, you don't, all right? You taught yourself. Yeah. You can teach someone else. And as long as you're there to give notes and feedback, it's still got your magic in it, Yeah. right? 
And I, I felt that too. I was like, oh, but I edit my videos and if someone else edits it, it'll be different. No one noticed. No, not a single person noticed that I wasn't editing my videos anymore, which was yeah. like, oh, fuck, I never should have been editing them. It's like, you know, rappers very rarely record and mix themselves or make the beats themselves. Yeah. They fucking delegate, you know? you inst- why, why would I get... Why would I make the fucking beat myself when I could find some guy who's only been making beats for 20 years and that's what he loves to do? Yeah. It's going to be so much better than me being a jack of all trades. So now I can just focus on all I have to do is be funny as fuck. That's my only job and it's the best. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's, all about, it's all about just being as, as efficient as you can. So that you, so that your passion remains your passion, because I feel like that's a big reason why YouTubers have burnout is because they think being a YouTuber is doing everything. Yeah, it's not. As long as you write it, as long as you're in front of the camera, that's all you need to do. Just fucking be a YouTuber. You don't have to be an editor. You don't have to be a a, a poster, even. You know, like there's so many social media platforms out there now. I'm sick of posting. That's the next <laughs> thing that I want to get rid of. Yeah. You know, I've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I've got fucking TikTok now. <laughs> right? Really? So that's like four platforms. But then I have Lewis Spears and then I have my podcast and then I have Luke and Lewis. And then I have also all of my events and touring that I'm trying to advertise, right? Yeah. That's like six different things on six different platforms. Every day, all I do is post shit and I'm sick of it. I wanted, That's the next thing that I want to replace is just get a guy in to just help my editor and schedule shit yeah. so I don't have to sit on my phone for fucking literally, I reckon, three hours a day scheduling, posting, Snapchatting, this, that. Mm. That's the next thing that I, that I want to get rid of. Yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to replace myself with AI. <laughs> That's what I really want to do. Pretty what? soon, the, the, in, tw- in 2200, yeah. two, in 2200, my, oh, my channel is just going to be me in a floating jar and it's, <laughs> it's operated by a fucking microchip. Yeah. When you say schedule content, do you actually have it like automated go live at a specific time? Is that something you've looked into that much a specific like analytic wise? Like I might get the most amount of like uh, views and likes if I post this specific time. I've never time. been good at that. I've never been good at that. I've always just put stuff up when I, when I put it up. But I think I need to start doing that because I've noticed like uh, especially this year now that I'm doing YouTube properly my audience is really changing so it used to be on YouTube it used to be 80% Australia yeah now Australia is only 20% of my viewership Jesus it's 50% American yeah Um. so I think now I'm prioritizing Australia because I'm touring Australia obviously so I mm. put stuff up at 6pm 5pm so yeah, people yeah. can watch it on the way home from work or whatever but I think that when this tour is done I'm going to have to start uploading at american times especially because i want to start doing shows in america yeah i might have to start scheduling videos to go up at like 2 or 3 a.m so they hit like american prime time yeah which which i know i mean most youtubers do um that i know from australia like max mofo he's he fucking lives in in those hours like he'll always be i'll I'll finish a show i'll be like hey what are you doing he goes i just woke up about to start editing (laughs) you know to put out a fucking video so i think i think that'll be the next thing for me is is properly scheduling scheduling shit because otherwise i set fucking alarms on my phone at like 5 p.m like i've got to post an instagram post 
Like yeah. I should really just fucking wake up at 10 a.m. on my computer, <laughs> schedule all that shit, and yeah. forget about it. But um, I'm 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 getting there. Yeah, because that's what I've always done with my content. Because especially like, 4chan is just seems to be more so American based with well, that sort of stuff. In Australia now. Well, only specific IPs, uh, ISPs have it banned. Like some of the major ones, like Telstra. Uh, the provider that I'm with doesn't have it banned for whatever reason, so I don't oh, need a VPN. I it was Telstra, Optus, because I'm with Optus, I can't go on it. Yeah. And then it was some other big one as well. And I remember after that awful shit in New Zealand happened, yeah, yeah. they came out and they banned it, and they said it was a temporary ban. <laughs> it's fucking not. <laughs> no, yeah. Because here's the thing, right? Optus, Telstra, and another big telco company, they go, oh, we're putting a temporary ban on 4chan. Everyone goes, okay, whatever, that sucks, but I guess... Now, that's one thing, right? That's enough to make people angry, is banning a website. Yeah. But let me tell you about the fucking fire and brimstone that would rain upon whichever telco company decides to unblock 4chan. Oh, God, right? yeah. Imagine if they do that. They'll never do that because they know the hell they'll cop. So it's yeah. not a temporary ban. That made me get a VPN. Yeah. Because I just, I just think that that censorship is bullshit. Yeah. But, um, yeah... Because, again, like, yeah, like I was saying, majority of my audience is American, so almost all of my videos go live at, like, 2 to 3 a.m., exactly like you were saying before as well, which just seems to be when, Mm. specifically when kids sort of get home from school. And that just seems to be, like, prime sort of upload time especially. Because, yeah, Yeah. there was a point I was uploading at, like, midday my time, and then even just uploading it from, like, 3 a.m. I just watched my views increase by, like, 25 to 50% just because it's that specific time. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, so often I'll put up stuff at fucking Australian time and the first comments, so which are always the keenest fans, the people who watch it first, the first 10 comments are almost always like, why are you uploading at 4am? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So it's like, if my keenest people are Americans that are so keen, they will watch my shit at 4am. Yeah. I think I might have to start prioritizing those cunts a little bit. <laughs> Give back. Yeah. Um. One of the last things I wanted to talk about before I get into a couple of questions here is um, <laughs> the third tour you did try and stop me. Yeah. Uh, while I was down in the city, I parked at the train station. But my train station probably isn't the most <laughs> well-known uh, for security, especially. Yeah. And I had my back windshield smashed by a rock while oh, I was really? at your show. Yeah, Fuck. Yeah, so that was a whole fucking thing. But... I I got you to actually sign uh, a piece of my windshield because I can still almost remember the fucking date that it happened. And it just, it fucked me as well because when I had my windshield broken, uh, I asked for the CCTV footage and they just said no. And I'm like, okay. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, They said they couldn't see anything. Apparently there was a guy on a lawnmower that went past, but couldn't see anything. Like, oh, well out of our control and i'm like okay yeah and so then went to go through insurance Mm. and apparently the minimum claim was 550 to get the windshield repaired was 530 so they said oh well you can't right it was like 30 dollars on them like well you can't get that uh claim either so i just got fucked so uh that night was uh, quite expensive for me (laughs) yeah um it was quite enjoyable, I but I don't start charging five hundred dollars for tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No offense, I don't know if any show is particularly worth five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um. All right. So 
We'll get into the part of the podcast that I dub the most autistic part of the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A lot like sort of yours. Except, okay. <laughs> low, lower your standards of stories and questions. Yeah. Uh, none of my fans have any weird fucking vomit sex stories or anything like that. Stuff or that any... I get on Spearhead Sundays is dire. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, <laughs> but yeah, I got probably about 20 to 25 questions. Yep. That's about four that I can ask okay. out of the entire yep. uh, list here. And... Do they know that I'm answering answering these? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I put it out there when, hey, you got any questions for Lewis? Yep. A lot of them were just dumb fucking memes, so there's just no point anyway. Yeah. Classic. Um, I've got one here from uh, a fella called Chef Retardy. Uh, right. So this will be an intelligent question. From yep. Chef Retardy. Yep. <laughs> what does he cook? Down syndrome meatballs. <laughs> and he says, uh, "What's your opinion on furries?" Furries, of course. Thanks, Chef Retardy. Um, I don't know. It's fucking... It sounds expensive just to be sweaty in a fucking fursuit. It's about three grand for a fursuit. Yeah. Don't ask how I know that. And Well, how do you wash it, too? That's my... I don't care. What, whatever. You want a fucking cartoon dog, good on you. <laughs> what I'm really worried about is how much you stink in that suit, right? That's the thing that I don't get about uh, furries dressing up as furries at comic conventions it's not the same thing right <laughs> have a furry convention and do that there cool great comic convention i'm a dad i want to take my kid right i don't need to see you and your weird sex cult <laughs> sweaty in your three thousand dollar fuck off fursuits all right leave do that somewhere else it's not a, it's not a comic book thing you dressing up as a dog that you want to have sex as yeah okay not a comic book thing do it at your own convention Go for it. Do whatever you want to do, but don't do it at a fucking video game convention. Rocking up in a costume that says, I want to fuck dogs, bro. Look at me. It's not good. That'd be like if I rocked up to a comic book convention with a fucking, like in a full-on latex suit that has a hole around my ass. It'd be like, I like BDSM anal sex. Woohoo. Can I get a comic book? No. You have your own conventions for that. Yeah. Fuck off. Oh, fuck. What else have I got here? There you um, go, Chef Retardy. <laughs> Hope that answers your question. Um, I got a question here from uh, a fellow called AJ, and he says, "What is your opinion on Amy Schumer as a comedian?" I don't have much of an opi- much of an opinion. I think, um, I think, with all of the joke theft stuff, I think I'm a little bit on the fence on it I don't think so here's the thing her stand up and her TV show I categorize as two things two different things right so her stand up I'll talk about so let's go with her TV show a lot of people accused her of of stealing jokes from other people for her TV show her TV show had a lot of writers and I think that she just had a lot of lazy writers in the room So if I had a TV show in America, I might have 12 writers on staff, 12 people pitching me ideas, right? And if one of them has stolen a joke and they've given me, you know, the best sketch idea ever and I I haven't seen it, there's no way for me to know that that's a stolen idea. And then I go and do it and all of a sudden I'm the joke thief, (laughs) even though I've just helped punch up an idea that was stolen 
that I had no idea about. So I'm a little <laughs> bit on, with the stuff with her TV show or with any kind of television show because I understand how the industry works, I think that's a little bit unfair to say that she stole it for her TV show. Her stand-up, I just think, is not that good. It's not my not my cup of tea. I think that she used to be she used to be hilarious. I think she used to be really really good um, when she was doing like the roasts and when she was on Comedy Central. I think she was fucking awesome. But now, um, I don't know. I think that she's she's absolutely smashing a demographic that I'm definitely not part of, which yeah. is like wine mums. <laughs> yeah, she's exactly. Doing comedy for wine mums. Yeah, and, yeah. Hey, that's a market. Go and work it. So <laughs> good on it. Yeah. Um, I got a question here from a, a fellow called Will Billy, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, uh, "Lewis, what's your stance on parenting?" You made a video about the world's strictest parents. You said, blah, 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 long-winded. Uh, do you not believe in strong, stiff parenting, he's basically saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in being such shit parents that you can't control your children, so you give them to the producers of a reality TV show <laughs> who ship them off to another family who's a mega-Christian family that lives on a farm who will make you move bales of hay if you say fuck. <laughs> if that's your idea of good parenting, bro, I'm sorry to tell you, you're wrong, right? I wasn't criti- criticizing their style of parenting. I was criticizing the idea of the show of, oh, I can't control my kids, so I'm going to fucking whore them out on television and embarrass them and send them <laughs> off to another family that I've never met. Yeah. No, I think that's that's bullshit. I think that a strict parenting is fucking fine and great. That's what I had. I had... I didn't have strict parents. I had parents that instilled a really good work ethic in me. Yeah. And and, and they really... Because both of them are self-employed, right? Mum's a hairdresser, dad's a builder. Their mum especially really instilled in me that, hey, everything's your fault, right? Your success, your failure, that's on you. So work it out. And if, you know, if stand up for yourself, make sure you work hard because nobody will do it for you. Your problems are your own. Trying to help help people is great but at the end of the day your shit is your shit so work it out yeah that's what was instilled in me so i think that i have no issue with strict parenting i do have an issue with thinking that fucking what you see on reality tv is an example of good parenting (laughs) dickhead (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i got one final question here uh from uh a guy called potato boy uh, and he says, hey, Lewis, do you like dick and balls? No. Fair. All right, I guess that'll do uh, for this week's podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Lewis. I appreciate you so much uh, for doing this. No uh, do you have anything uh, you wanted to plug? Uh, yeah, I've got my tour. It's still happening. Uh, no slide season. I'm going to Sydney, Melbourne, Wollongong, fucking so many cities. I think I have like 15 cities left. Check it out. I'm going all over Australia, a bunch of regionals, a bunch of major cities, all of the major cities, Adelaide, Perth, everywhere. Um, Loosebeers.com slash gigs. I mean, you saw the show last night. It's fucking, it's, I'm really, really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun and uh, I'd love to see you there. If you're not in Australia, uh, I've got a podcast, Spearhead Sundays, which is me yelling by myself, uh, or just my YouTube channel, man. Check that out. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, and then one final thing that I usually like to do on the end of my podcast is to see and check who actually made it the whole way through. I usually like to have uh, a call out for a just a phrase or even a word for something to include in the comments so that way I can actually tell they made it the whole way through the podcast. Cunt nugget. <laughs> How about that? Perfect. Cool. Perfect. So if you made it the whole way through this almost hour long podcast, be sure to include somewhere in your comment cunt nugget. And I'll give <laughs> and I'll give you a little fucking heart. So uh how about that, guys? Uh, thanks so much for watching, and uh, yeah, uh, catch you later, cunts. Sweet.